Welcome to Chewing the Fat, a little uh, American Dream segment uh, with Bridget Fettesy, who uh, has uh, decided to uh, wander around the studios. Were you wandering around the museum, taking a look at all the artifacts? Or you I don't? haven't yeah. seen it yet, no. You really? I, did, the, did the KKK guys scare you off as you went into the, <laughs> went into the dressing room? I just... Kind of put my head down and kept moving. <laughs> don't worry about that cage with the ISIS. I was like, I don't know what's going there. on here. And the rest of it is just as bad. So if you have an opportunity, walk by and just kind of look out of the corner of your eye like, that's a really bad person. It's a really bad person. That's not supposed to be that way. So anyway, Bridget, thank you for coming. It's good thank to you see you. Thank you for having me. You know, I, I was, uh, I was uh, perusing some of, uh, some of the internet uh, covering, trying to find out uh, what's up, you know, who you are and everything. And I still have that question. Who are you? Uh, I'm a writer and a comedian, and I guess now a media personality. Media personality? I like that. <laughs> I don't. No? <laughs> no, it's fine. Really? It's just funny because it's like, I, I feel like I kind of accidentally tweeted my way into the center of the culture wars. Well, it worked for you, right? I, it was an accident. <laughs> really? I mean, just finding your way? I just was honest, and I was always a writer, and um, or wanted to be a writer. Then right. I started writing. Actually, my first writing gig ever was in my small town when I was living back east. I lived in a little resort town where my family's from, and then I had a weekly column, and oh, nice. I got in tons of trouble writing this column. So what? the writing was on the wall, and this was ten. Why did you badmouth Uncle Bill's restaurant? That's exactly what it was. <laughs> It was. I wrote a piece about restaurants, and everyone was outraged. I knew it. it was. No, it's so funny. You can talk about how bad the school systems are, and the roads are, and crickets. And I wrote about breakfast places, and it was like oh, two days of hate mail. <laughs> so that was. And then you know, I wrote a piece about um, a whale that had been beached, and why weren't oh. wasn't anybody kind of speaking up right. about what we do with this whale. And um, what did they end up doing with the whale? I'm fascinated because you know it is. They uh, like put it on a truck and then they away. brought it, yeah. yeah, somewhere to decompose. Because remember back uh, uh, in Washington or Oregon back in the 70s, mm-hmm. they blew one up. You ever oh, see yeah. that footage where the news crews were all out there and people from the city came and they oh. were gonna, they blew it up and everybody got bombarded <laughs> with whale parts. That it is fun. Normally, great. if they do that, they'll like drag it out to sea and do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. And I just read a story. There's more and more. Start having whales. I just read a story about, uh, uh, and I thought, why am I seeing all these stories about whales? Because be- there's a big surge of them being beached. They're dying. Well, and Japan is starting to... F- Fish them again. Uh, Started yesterday or today. No. So and I thought, that's it. That's why. Because they haven't been hunting them forever. Why are we and, back to uh, killing so we're the back whales? To ah, it's a whale. I thought we were saving the whales. <laughs> I was just down in Cabo, actually, in January. And they were migrating. And they're just so gorgeous. Well, you know, and one of the stories that I saw. And I, all of a sudden, I was getting all these whale stories. One of the stories I saw was that a cruise ship was uh as now they're being investigated because they were believed to be traveling too fast around a pot of whales uh, and the captain's like no no i saw him i saw him. we were slowing down yeah. we did everything right what are you talking about but i didn't even realize that they had uh you know protocols uh, a pot of whales slow down back up get away uh, everything and now the people were saying no he was going way too fast and he was getting too close to those whales oh uh, people on the cruise yeah oh so god no, we're investigating we're investigating the captain now Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's so sad, but hey, save the whales. Save the right? whales. Save the whales. I mean, they didn't do anything. 
<laughs> that we know of? Not that we know, you know of. Okay, so you, uh, you're back east. You, you got kicked out of your town for writing bad things about yeah. Uncle Bill's restaurant. So and then I came. Grateful. I and, know. Uh, and so you, uh, you go out west, and uh, I mean, you're, you're an author, you're a comedian. Well, I was a waitress for a long time. Um, that's all you did? I mean, uh, you, know, you, were, I you, while you were in California. That's what that's what they do, then, right? I mean, you move to California and you become a waitress. That's, that's exactly that's why deal, I moved right? to California. That's exactly. <laughs> I used to tell people that exactly when people would be like, "Why are you here?" When I'm waitressing, I'm like, "I'm living the dream. I moved Hello. to LA to become a waitress." Well, that's what you do. That's what you do. And so I moved. Someday George Clooney's coming in, and I'm being recognized. Someday George Clooney's going to wait tables. <laughs> He's just hoping that he can get there, but he hasn't quite yet. <laughs> Um, so I moved there. I moved the first time I moved out there was to be an actress when I was 19. And then I moved back and got kind of trapped in the restaurant rut right. and, um, had a whole lifetime. We call them the dark years. Really? We being oh, no. my family and friends and I <laughs> just got a little dark. Did you find, did you find drugs? I got married. And and oh, <laughs> divorced. Man. oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> You're like, yeah. That, what do you do? Those are dark years. <laughs> I've been through those a few times. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so then I moved back to the east, West Coast. I stopped in Park City, worked a season in the, yeah. the resort a, area. In the resort area. Yeah, yeah. And then back to L.A. And I was planning on being a writer, but more hoping to be in comedy, yeah. um, writing on shows or whatnot. And started doing stand-up comedy kind of as a, as a dare. Somebody dared me to do it. And... Then I it's and, fun. Yeah, it's I've so fun. I've done it a couple times. It's fun. I mean, yeah, I love it. it. It's it's a good outlet for me. I I like to say outrageous things, and I used I when I first got on stage, I felt so it was very terrifying, but I also felt so liberated, and I was like, why didn't anyone tell me all these years that I was saying crazy stuff at the Christmas dinner table? Like you know, Bridget. There's a appropriate place to say these things. You can maybe even make a living doing it. Oh, that's just Bridget. Every, they drive home after Christmas and go, yeah. Bridget was Bridget again. Yeah. Jesus, you can't shut her up. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Next year, we're going to put her at the kids' table. I can't take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, put her back with the... We can't leave her with the children, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, See if she could do something in the kitchen. <laughs> that's where I'm my happy place. So you, you found comedy on the stage, but did you ever start writing for TV at all? Or did you ever so, get break the glass through that? No, I, I still have not. I started, I wrote, I have many scripts. It's a tough egg to crack. It is. And then I probably have tweeted myself out of that dream. Oh, my baby. um, Because I'm a little too center. And Uh, I would say the writer's Uh, rooms are pretty far left. I'm not. That's a good point. I just think people might be like, I don't feel safe. (laughs) I don't feel safe with her. Um. (laughs) So, but I will go throw a milkshake on someone, <laughs> you bastards. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. I'd probably I get a milkshake on, thrown on me. So I ended up uh, writing. I always wrote. I had a website, and I always wrote on it before it, it like disappeared and moved to France. It's a long story. Wow. And then, the website moved to France, yeah, or you did? Yeah, it disbanded. Oh, okay. And my, my wow. web designer said, oh, it's. Uh, I think they moved to France. I was like, I didn't realize <laughs> okay. websites could do that. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. I thought yeah. it was called the World Wide Web. Yeah, so Fetacy is just, it, the the name of my website was Fetacy.com, and it's just apparently, you know, okay. somewhere in the med, smoking wow. a cigarette and All eating right. a baguette right now. But... um. I always wrote on that, and then I was writing on Medium, and I 
was tweeting jokes and somebody put me in touch with an editor at Playboy who is a comedy editor. And then I pitched a piece to them and they moved me to the culture editor and I said, and he took it and it was my first uh, paid gig in 10 years since my column at home. And then I kept begging them for a column, and they wouldn't give me one. No, and this then, is Playboy, right? Mm-hmm. It was, and this was April with- of 20, 2015. Okay. So not that long ago. No, not that long ago. No. And so then they um, had a great idea. To give me a column. <laughs> nice, after, you, after you bitched at them enough? After I begged. They were like, <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, sorry, we beg, have a great beg, idea. Uh, why don't you have a column? And so then I had one for uh, two years there and wrote all about sex and relationships for men. And it was I loved it. I loved it so much. It was so interesting writing for so, I mean, men. You lived Sex in the City with Playboy. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was interesting, too, because it was such an interesting time to be writing for men. This was like the dawn of Me Too. And all of oh, right. all, yeah. it was ooh, just ooh, such ooh, a ooh, weird ooh. time to be writing for a male magazine because it wasn't like the good old days where it was kind of cool. Playboy was now it's now seen as this kind of relic dinosaur. of the patriarchy. Yeah. Dinosaur and the mm. daughters running it. Yeah. Well, she wasn't dad. running it even more anymore. Really? It was Cooper, the oh, son. Wow. Yeah, I mean the whole family thing was was falling apart for yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, so it was it was kind of seen as this relic, and I felt like men weren't and, and men were kind of under attack or not even kind of. And we can't even say, "Hey, man, that, that blouse looks great on you today." <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> me too. Hashtag me too. Yeah. So I. That was great. It was really cool. I would ask men, you know, how they were doing or what was wrong, and I would get thousand-word essays from them because right. I don't think anybody was even asking them. Right. And then wow, from— you know, That's a lot of mail to go through. Oh, it was. It was. Did you have a do person helping you, or was no, it all you? No, it was all me. Oh. I still have a lot Oof. of them. They're just so interesting. And then I ended up well, kind someday of— you write a book with those. Yeah, I wrote— And then I fe- kind of s- s- fell into— um, Writing about politics because I started, I would write things for Playboy and get all of this backlash that I didn't expect to get because I just didn't yeah. know. I didn't know that this culture war was going on. I, I hadn't really been in on Twitter. I was on. I started getting on Twitter in 2013. So I and I wasn't in political Twitter, so I had no idea. So your and cultural awakening really came from social media. I love it. It did actually. Yeah. It did. But it was more actually getting mobbed by people on social media. So I would write a piece and say something about like, oh, the you know, I women women. One of the, my first pieces that kind of went viral was, um, women date assholes because you're a pussy. Okay. And sorry for the swears, but that no was swears. that this was is, the name. The of, that it's was fine. the name of the piece. And um, I, I, in it, I said, you know, we want a real man. I didn't know that you couldn't say real man anymore. I didn't even know this. I didn't get that memo. I didn't go to college. So I wasn't like indoctrinated with all of the woke um, right. kind of You didn't speech. get the NCAA letter from no, them that they sent out to everybody? Nothing? Not so I would get these, I'd be getting attacked and I would be getting attacked by like the men's rights activists and the far left feminists at the same time. And that was a, it was a quick education. Yeah. But that was what kind of, um, I just felt like there was a population of the kind of 
red-blooded American male that was not being spoken to. Oh, there was a lot of them that were standing there going, what? Yeah. What? And still, what male magazine even speaks to that? Male magazines don't give a about men. No, they do not. They don't. They don't even speak to them. They're such a huge, not... I mean, male magazines are putting out articles. I did a story this morning uh, uh, on the morning show about uh, how they're uh, using a new cocktail so that men will be able to lactate and breastfeed. <laughs> I'm sorry, chest feed. So, chest uh, feed? Yeah, so you'd be able to you'd be able to do that. I want to kill myself <laughs> when I hear stories like this. It's not. I'm sorry. No. I mean, that's your male magazine now. That's your male magazine now. I want to kill myself. No, 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 no. About <laughs> chest feeding. Well, you two can chest feed. No, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> Call me old fashioned. This might be the thing that makes me conservative. It might be all that stuff. I feel like, and that was kind of what happened was like the gender stuff. I was like, okay, I can, I can admit that gender is a social construct part, part, you know, we treat boys and girls differently and that maybe there, there's part of it that is a social construct. But when you start talking about like biology and sex as a social construct, you lose me completely. Bye. Men can't have babies. I feel like I'm living in a test. Like it's, we're in like a Truman show and they're they're just trying to trick as many. They're like, let's see how many people we can get to admit that boys and girls aren't different. Okay, that's how I mean, it, it feels. feels that way sometimes. You're right. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not playing this game. No. At, at some point, I'm drawing the line. <laughs> <laughs> There's the line of the sand With right there. No. Of years of biology. <laughs> at some point, right? You've got. At some point, you do have to. You do have to stop, and and that's where the line is. You know, instead of going over the cliff, at some point, you've got to say, wait. No, I, I'm not going to jump off that cliff with you. It's so interesting. I'm rereading this book I'm obsessed with called Mediated by Thomas De Zengo Tisha. And it is. I've read like, I, I love that book more than, no, I've never read it. I'm I was like, easy. really? No yeah. one's ever read it. Uh, he wrote it in 2006. It's all about how the media shapes the world you live in. Okay. And when I wrote it, when I read I it in 2000, by, uh, Thomas De Zengo Tisha. I love that guy. Go ahead. <laughs> He's the greatest. I hope I get to interview him. And he talks a lot about postmodernism, which I didn't understand at all when I read the book. Right. Now that I've interviewed people like James Lindsay, who did the um, grievance studies papers, those fake academic papers. Oh, yeah, yeah. They put them all together to see what they yeah. get away with, how many they So would... he talks a lot about postmodernism. Well, yes, he does. But in, in Mediated, he talks about how everything is, when everything becomes representational, we live in this, it's not about what's real versus what's false it's about what's real versus what's an op what's optional. what's optional and i was like oh i think this this gender stuff is the logical extension of media over mediation essentially where everything is an option and everyone gets to just choose what their identity is even it doesn't matter what no. it's what you feel it's what you that's what it is yeah it's crazy it's crazy though i i'm i'm i guess i sometimes i do feel like an old lady screaming at the clouds you know I'm like this is crazy <laughs> you people don't know what you're talking about yeah and if you talk to normal people in america they've never heard most of this stuff you think I, so i mean uh, I want these writers to drive around America and ask Americans what they uh, what they think if they think boys and girls are different. Well, I think you know? no, like, right, well, no, I think like, I think you're I think you're onto something that 
uh, I think people, uh, they know about it. They just don't recognize it. You know, they're like, that's crazy. And we, I've moved on with my life. I've got, I've got, uh, I've got to take care of my family and I've got to, uh, you know, I've got the cattle to take care of, or I've got, uh, I've got the kids PTA meeting to go right. to and I've got, I've got things to do. You know? But then what happens is that it kind of, inf- I've become kind of obsessed with these little rabbit holes. I go down of, um, micro shamings, I call them. So there are these little shamings that are happening all over America because okay. so maybe the gender stuff will infiltrate a mommy group on Facebook and then someone will step out of line and someone will get shamed out of their the mommy group. Or there's oh, another yeah, okay. example of this woman. She had a, a farmer's market booth and somebody determined that she was a Nazi. I don't know how. And now they're writing, there's 75 people who have, 750 people who have signed this petition to get her farmer's market booth shut down. And so. Just because someone thought she was a Nazi. Yeah, because someone decided that she said something on, she's a gamer and she's, she uses Nazi language. I don't know how they determined it was her. They saw her hand or something. I mean, it's crazy. And so now they're trying to get her farm. She sells corn (laughs) and they're trying to get her freaking banned from the farmer's market. And this is a stuff but where I'm is like, she a Nazi? I don't think so. I mean, maybe, maybe. And does it matter? Does it matter if really? I mean, it matters if she loses her ability yeah, to, sure does. to sell her, her corn. Yeah, sure does. So these are the things that I'm kind of fascinated Micro-shaming, by. Like Micro shamings, because that's where when you're wondering how Trump is going to win another election, and the left is like, "It's impossible. I don't see how that could happen." I'm like, "Yeah, well." Go no, talk to little reason. Susie who got her farm shut down because a bunch of people decided they saw her hand and and she was the one connected to this racist speech on Twitch. Like, it's right. crazy. I mean, that, that's the reason. That, that's the reason that, uh, you know, the man got elected the first time around. Yeah. Uh, I know I'm breaking some political rules here on Chewing, but that's okay because really that's people got him elected because the they were tired. Yeah. Tired of, of the of the micro shaming. Yeah. Tired of the, the, the whole the big picture and Trump was the guy saying it's all fake news. Screw them. I'll we're never make forget it. again. I'll never forget talking to a family member and I I found out they were voting for Trump and I and I was so curious because I was coming from LA and I was in this bubble and my family is generally pretty liberal and democratic from the East Coast old old school old school Democrats same yeah. for the Kennedys you know I like have, my I grandma have, I, have like, I have in laws now from this dark period of my life marriage and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that are that are involved in, in that same quarter yeah. yeah. And I didn't realize one of them was uh, going to vote for Trump. And I asked them why. And they said, I, you know, they had various reasons, Hillary, et cetera. But then at the very end, they said, I'm just so effing sick of being talked down to by late night. And I was like, there it is. There it is. There it is. That's what we're missing. There it is. And, and I look, went back to L.A. and said, we're missing something. Well, look, well, I mean, really, we did the same thing here. Yeah. Uh, at the Blaze. I mean, I was part of uh, Glenn's radio show at the time uh, okay. during the election. And in the beginning, uh, it was uh, during the whole walk up to uh, the election, we were, weren't really big fans right, of Right, 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 right. And uh, I mean, we separated a lot of people. Oh, interesting. Uh, hurt, hurt a lot. 
Yeah. And it was uh, it was a, it was a big move, and it took a while for everyone to really kind of realize. Okay, that's why he got elected. That's what we mm-hmm. missed, and that's what we were missing. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, you know, I mean, heck, even as a, as a joke, I endorsed Jim Gilmore. <laughs> no, I'm I mean, it wasn't for a joke. I mean, Williamson, I everyone, I'm voting for love. I, I think love is great. Like, you know, she actually, I got. <laughs> Okay, I know Chris isn't here, so he's not going to start playing the political music. So you get some of it, ha ha. But I love. She was actually right. Yeah, I uh, love you her. know with with her uh, when she told the rest of the Dingleberries on stage with her mm-hmm. that if you think all this policy talk is going to beat Donald Trump, you're out of your mind. No, she's totally right. She's he, right. He didn't win by policy talk. No! He won by saying "Make America Great Again." Yeah. And she was right. I mean, she's I know. Right. She's, I know. I got it. I understand the you know it's, it's love is it's love is the is going to win with Mary, and I understand that uh, you know we're all we all just need to get along. I love that they were making fun of her like mid Atlantic accent, where they were saying she was like a character. I mean, we live in a South Park episode. <laughs> I don't yes. know how anyone can take any of us seriously. <laughs> I, I they do though. I know, really and bad. then there are moments really where you bad. kind of have to, obviously, but. For me, as the comedian in me, I just feel always like I can't. It's so ridiculous and funny. And funny. All right. So you've got uh, uh, Bridget Fetessy is uh, joining us here on Chewing the Fat. You got uh, comedian, columnist. Uh, what haven't we covered? We haven't covered uh, author. You're an author oh, on yeah. the list is on the list. So how many books have you got? None. What are you doing with that? I'm writing oh, sorry, one. What? None. I have not. None. I thought you had. Well, I thought you had one of the the hunting cows or whatever. What was that? No, I'm right. I'm working on that. Do you see men as like hunting cows? That's my for my female. But then it got kind of so that one got pushed back because then now I want to write. Then I was going to write the divorce dude's guide to dating. The divorce dude's guide to dating. Okay, love because that. Because I wrote this piece and realized that there are all these men who got married pre social media and. Um, dating apps and they're being released into the wild like baby seals into like these shark infested (laughs) waters and they don't know anything they just don't know anything it's 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 a disaster just wanted to go out they just wanted to go on a date and they don't know how to do it it's uh you know they're like what does slide into the dms even mean (laughs) i'm just Trying to guide them. Just swipe right, baby. It's all you need to do. They it's don't good. know. They it's don't. And I always joke that I want to have, if I was a marriage counselor, I would just take my dating apps and sit down with the couple and be like, are you sure this is what you want? You really want, you really want to do this? You want to enter That's in? A good point. Just swipe with me for a end. while. Swipe with me. Here, 45 minutes. Let's swipe and talk to some people and you can see what you're in for. Are you sure your marriage is that bad that you need to do this to yourself? You oh, don't. No, I don't think you do. No. Nobody knows what they're getting. No, right. they don't. You're right. That's a good point. Go back. Go <laughs> back. Go to marriage counseling. Make so it So this work. is the book you want to write that you, uh, I know that uh, I saw an interview with. Um, Ruben. Yes, with Dave Ruben. Mm-hmm. That uh, where you talked about uh, where you gave up uh, Twitter. Oh, yeah. For Lent. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, my first question of that, part one, is did you make it the entire 40-some days? and I found God. Again, or found him for real for the first time? 
Uh, again, but kind of for, it was really interesting, actually. It was like, of course, I accidentally found God giving up Twitter for Lent, but I'm sober, so I've given everything else up. So Twitter is my last room, Twitter and coffee are my remaining vices. Just caffeine? Yeah, just get get the caffeine and get on Twitter and get that dopamine flowing. I haven't smoked in seven months. I could still use a cigarette so bad. I watched Reality Bites the other night. Do you remember that movie from the 90s? I I haven't seen it in a long time. I I haven't either. They played it at the graveyard in L.A. They do these um, awesome movie screenings. And I have not wanted a cigarette so badly. They smoked so much in that movie. Uh, And I watched, there's so many shows. And they made it look so cool. There's so many shows that uh, I watch that I love. And they just smoke. Really? People are smoking. Even now? Like what? Oh, yeah. Now there's plenty of shows on Netflix and Amazon where uh, people where they're producing their own content that they smoke that I love that are great shows, but they're smoking throughout the whole show. Oh, it drives me crazy. Yeah. So I smoking's mean, not hard. Really, not really, but I mean, it's just I've you know. Seven months is right. huge. I've quit heroin, and smoking was harder for me to quit. Well, you know, you say that, now, and I want to talk to you about that. All right, and then we'll get back to the author book, the my my part two of the question. Okay, um, but because uh, I was still, you still haven't told us exactly how you found God, but uh, you, I've watched a, a ton of shows about addicts mm-hmm. and kicking of habits, whether it's heroin mm-hmm. or meth, or, mm-hmm. you know. You know those those sad drugs. Yeah, heroin, of course, being the the kingpin. I think so. Yeah, top notch. But well, they I think all meth is really and, gnarly too. And even even alcohol. But our when, alcohol is too. When they when you're when you're in that window and you're giving that up, they all smoke still. Yeah, they all smoke. It's called uh, what's it called? Risk management. Is that what the term is? Um, or no harm reduction. So they figure if you harm reduction. So they figure if you we'll get get to that once we get past this. Right. Right. If you're going to smoke cigarettes. okay, at least you're not mainlining, you know. Right. We're good with that. Right. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. So my doc was, uh, you know, well, can I choose some nicotine gum? That's fine. Just no smoking. No vaping. No smoking. No vaping. No vaping. Why no vaping? He he didn't. The the lung guy was like, no, I don't want to do none of that. I'm so, you know, they say that vaping is okay, and I'm so skeptical eh, about it. Eh, How It hasn't been out long eh, enough to do the studies. I know, and which which bodes well to this, the how can it be that bad, right? Because it hasn't been out that long. Mm-hmm. But everyone kind but of leans everyone... toward the other side. I know, I know. Yeah, I agree with your doctor on that, I think. But I, I have had a lot of friends who said vaping helped them quit smoking. Well, and that's, look, and that's what uh, the big company, as long as we were down to vaping, the Juul, uh, that's their deal, right? I mean, they've pulled their they've pulled their advertising uh, against, pulled it all, and they're saying, uh, okay, we don't want anything to do, well, they're trying to stay in business, but they don't want anything to do with kids. They say, hey, we're just for adults and we're for we're more for adults that are trying to quit that as nasty cigarettes right, come to us. Right. So there's your harm reduction, right? Right. And they just ban them in San Fran, I, I think. I know, yeah. Not, 
Because they love that tax <laughs> revenue right. from the cigarettes. Yeah, well, you got to have a. They want. They still want to be able to put your cigarette out in a poop. So you're fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's like human feces all over the sidewalks. No vaping. No vaping. Jules, not allowed. All right, so we'll back up to a Finding God by accident. Oh yeah. So you you gave up Twitter. You went to church. I did go uh, to church. And you uh, and well, of course. Weirdly, talk about a God moment. I was at church. And I come home and I have this email and it's some person who recognized me from Twitter at church. At church, nice. <laughs> he was in town visiting his parents and he nice. said he sent me an Bridget? email and he said, I think I saw you at church. I Did was he like, take a side? Did you have a side shot of you in the pew? <laughs> so I went, but I, it was so quiet and it was an addiction, you know, like anything. I, I, I was suffering from withdrawal symptoms and... I'm like, what am I withdrawing from attention? But it literally yeah. is attention. Did you still, How pathetic is that? You gave up. You gave up Twitter, but did you give up your phone? I mean, you still had your phone. Right? I still so had my phone. Did you just get rid of the app on your phone? Yeah, I yeah, just okay. never went logged in. My cousin changed my password, um, so I couldn't okay, log so in even if I wanted to. You didn't log out of the app. You just she the would okay. still post things uh, for me because I still had a podcast, and I didn't. I felt like it wasn't fair to my guests to not. Promote them on my platform. That's not right. Just because I need to like take a break. And so she would post my podcast and um, yeah, then, but I felt a lot of when like with any addiction, you real I was realizing how addicted to it I actually was and all this stuff came up, particularly feelings of worthlessness and just being uncomfortable in my skin. And really the only thing that, I was also really heartbroken at the time, too. So that was kind of happening simultaneously. And that triggered all these feelings of rejection and self-worth stuff. All at the same moment. But I couldn't really turn anywhere, so I turned. I'm I'm spiritual and religious anyway, and I don't, it forced me to kind of, I, I joke that God has always been a bit of a booty call for me. I kind of am like... <laughs> Call on him uh, when I hey, need him. Hey, yeah. And I I said, time. I need to like have a relationship with God. You know, I need to move into something more, more committed. Than a booty call. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to need more. And it wasn't me determining that he wasn't my, you know, I wasn't his booty call. He was mine. So right. my relationship to him was as much or as little as I wanted it to be. And I just, and then I did actually find a lot of comfort. And it was, again, kind of unexpected. I just didn't know what else to do. So I started just being more in touch with God. <laughs> and and it, it, I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't, and I felt great. And those 40 days were really in, instructive, I think, moving forward in terms of when social media makes me feel a certain way now. I know that I need a break. It's time to log off. Generally, when I'm looking at everyone on social media and saying, um, like, oh, I hate you all, and I hate... Because normally I try to have fun and try to keep it somewhat light or at least in, at least provocative or kind of incisive. But if I'm if I'm hating everything and hating myself and hating humanity. Oh, it's going to come across. I mean, we see that in plenty of people's Twitter accounts, right? Yeah. I mean, Even the other day I tweeted something <laughs> where I'm like feeling nihilistic and, and like three people were like, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, it's time for a break. Yeah, it's time for a break. So, yeah. how much now do you? Where are you at with uh, uh, one of the things that comes with some of that is listening to yourself, mm -hmm. okay? and a lot of people ignore that mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason. And some people, you know, that 
Well, I should have listened to myself. Mm-hmm. Should have told mm-hmm. myself. I, t- I knew that was wrong. I should have listened to myself. I know. How how far along are you in that? You're never going to hear anyone say, "Oh, I never should have listened to my gut." You will never right. hear those I, words. You'll always hear, "Oh, I should have listened." Should have listened. Yeah. I knew that. I knew that wasn't mm-hmm. right. I think that um, one of the eroding forces of tribalism is that it it destroys your trust in yourself because it takes personal responsibility well, and puts about. it yeah. on the group yeah. and then creates this other problem that you're constantly fighting. And so you stop listening to yourself. You start focusing outward, you know, in, in 12 steps and in therapy, they always say, put down the mirror, put down the microscope and pick up the mirror. And I love that. And so I definitely know. And that whole idea of when, when you're pointing your finger, there's five pointing back at you. Um, oh yeah, yeah. When or when you're pointing at someone, there are five people pointing at you, yeah. and generally the things that the people that aggravate me the most, I'm the most interested in because those are the people that I kind of have to. I'm like, mm, there's probably something in me that I need to look at here that they're irritating. Bridget Fetisy joining us on uh, Chewing the Fat. All right, I know it's been we've been yap 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 yap, and I've been keeping you. So you, you're still podcasting. I am. Uh, I know. You know. We're here. We'll let you hawk some wares here. Hawk some of your oh, goods yeah. here at the, at the farmers market. Yeah. So uh, you're still podcasting. Uh, you're only doing one podcast. You're doing two multiple podcasts. Podcast. What the hell are you doing? Mine I is... saw the name of a couple of podcasts. Oh that yeah, you're on. I used to have one bench. That was yeah, a relationship bench. Yeah, well, one. Yeah. yeah. So the, the one you're now friend. in is walk in. Walk in. Welcome. welcome. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't tease and, me. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tease me. <laughs> That's um, anyone, it's all about grit and resilience. And so I interview people and I just ask them their own story, their own personal struggle, how they overcame it, how they overcome their own demons. Has everyone overcome it? I mean, everyone that I've talked to. That's why you want to talk to them, right? Yeah. Yep. I don't want to talk to a bunch of whiny victims. (laughs) (laughs) But even if you're not, but there's got to be, I mean, those people aren't probably going to talk to you. I'm just talking out loud now but i mean there's got to be a lot of people out there still struggling that aren't whiny victims oh no totally they're still struggling and just because i'm in a place right now where i'm i might be more settled doesn't mean that i haven't been through dark times even in the past two years i i think that but yeah i get a lot of emails from people all the time just talking about how the podcast makes them laugh but also makes them do a lot of soul searching so I think it's a mixed feeling about it. Good. <laughs> They're like, I like it, but it makes me uncomfortable and think about myself and think about things I don't want to think about. But I think it it it's always good to self reflect. So, uh, are you doing that um, whenever you feel like it? Are you doing no it once daily, a week? It's weekly? on Ricochet, actually. Um, yep, and iTunes and anywhere you can find podcasts. Okay. But Ricochet hosts it. And that's once a week on Thursdays it drops. And I'm on Twitter all the time at Bridget Fetacy. And I'm performing in um, Newport at the uh, Comedy Festival in October. Okay. I'm all over the place. I love that. I'm still writing. I am. I'm writing stuff online all over the place. What... Uh other than just and still writing, I mean, you have to write even if you're going to do uh, any kind of comedy bits. I mean, those don't just, uh, surprisingly, yeah. those don't just happen. No, they don't. It's funny how that works. It is funny how that works. So are you um, are you feeling like you can let your, who was it, your sister-in-law or your your 
your sister run your Twitter account and My give cousin. it up for a while? Well, I I you I feel dipped out enough? of it. You think you own it now? No, I mean no, I don't think that I'm stronger than coding. You know that, that than <laughs> algorithms. That's like thinking you're stronger than advertising. Yeah, people yeah. are like, no, I'm not affected not by that. Get me. And the minute sure, I see a Taco let, Bell commercial, I want ta- tacos <laughs> right now. Absolutely. I'm so susceptible. Every oh single one of my podcast advertisers, I pretty much end up becoming a customer. We have to. Like the biggest we sucker. <laughs> That's not being a sucker. No, no I definitely stop. like. I love. It's like, oh, Green Chef, try and it I'm out. Real, and I'm really pissed now. Is Taco Bell advertising on your podcast? No. Oh my god. Green Chef is. <laughs> They're great. All um, right, Bridget. I mean, I don't know. Well, uh, it's good. It's great to talk to you. Great to meet me. you. It was. It was fun. I could sit here and talk to you for another hour. Yeah. Or two and I know we were. You know where you know, to find me. To do. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you very you. much. All right, I appreciate it. Bridget Fetacy, fascinating. Uh, I really could talk to her for a lot more, and uh, there's only so much time in a day. Thanks for listening to Chewing the Fat. Remember to subscribe to uh, Chewing the Fat. It's available uh, wherever free podcasts are sold, so uh, it's up to you. I'm waiting for you, okay? Subscribe. It helps me. It helps you. It helps your friends. It helps your neighbors. You know you want to. Go ahead. Hit click to click to just subscribe. Thank you. 